She was not happy about it. She came in with energy, anger, instilling fear, and to a certain degree, disbelief. Yet with will, sound, and set, I asked my questions. I felt further beyond the entity that I was present with and into the energy of the earth itself. Going further, going deeper, going farther beyond not just the boundaries of the building, not even to the ground beneath our feet, into the very history of the tainted past of the area itself, which little did I know would lead to older geopathic energies and to the history of the indigenous people who had dwelt there before. What awaits us when we wander into the ways, the wonders, and wilds of the weird, where magic is real, where within deep mystery our mind steals, and where the very fabric of reality begins to peel. From haunting ghosts to Freemason gridlines, from malevolent entities to geopathic ley lines, this intuitive investigation case dances on the very edges of belief and reality. Withhold all that you believe and think that you know, and open your mind to join me as we investigate and explore these wonderful wonderings and so much more in this The Quantum Wizardry Podcast. The nature of tonight's episode discusses and explores experiences concerning death, the supernatural, and topics that may be inappropriate for a younger and more sensitive audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to episode three of the Quantum Wizardry podcast. When last we left off, we had encountered a container, a threshold, an energetic wall that was acting as a prison of sorts for the three entities that were stuck in the Hotel Majestic. Now, this is interesting to point out because while disincarnate spirits, while ghosts, usually do have a proximity, an area that they stick to, Rare is it to find something that actually keeps it trapped. And one of the things that these more metaphysical and energetic boundaries, barriers, and walls can do is that it can contain energy. It can hold it within a threshold of sorts that allows it to accrue, that allows it to be amplified. And so as I sat there now having an idea that there was something, a container of sorts, that was holding all three of these entities in place. Simultaneously, another component, a variable, which may or may not be related, that was also more heavily distorting the consciousness, the awareness, and the energy of these three entities, all sorts of questions began to fill my mind. This is a good time, usually, to take a step back. And so as I did, now having a general feel for this field, 
I took a little bit of a break and decided to walk around and just kind of feel my way through where this threshold existed. So the next day, after getting a little rest, again, I was doing my investigations from about 9 p.m. until about 6 a.m., took a little rest in the morning and then came back early to the area of the Hotel Majestic just to walk around. Often as an energetic, I feel that some of the best things that I can just do is to move through a place and to get a better feel for that space. And so I walked around the area in the Hotel Majestic and I could feel it. And it was really a very interesting sensation because I could feel the sensation of where the energy began to shift. And so as I walked through, I could feel it and I began to walk in the general vicinity of the hotel going a few blocks uh, east of it, and then continuing to just meander, to wander. And so I inevitably then stopped after a while at a little cafe, sat down, and took out a map of San Francisco. Now, one of the things that I have a talent in is being able to detect geopathic energies. Now, whether we identify this as ley lines, in more of the Western school of thought or more along the dragon lines with like feng shui in more of the Eastern mindset, there are and have been peoples who have worked with the very energies of the earth itself. And these geopathic energy lines are things that we can actually access. We actually have a better feel for it in what's called the Schumann Resonance. Now, the Schumann Resonance is something we can actually track. It is an amplitude of energy that we can identify in terms of hertz and has a frequency that can change and fluctuate. In fact, nowadays, whenever I do my weekly rhythms to check into the energies of the week, this is one of the first things that I check. What has the last week looked like? What does it look like right now? And to be able to better feel into some of the things that happen. Because we, as people, can be heavily influenced by the surrounding areas that we dwell in. And as I mentioned in the last episode, the previous manager of the Hotel Majestic was one such person. He was held within a certain frequency. One that was more erratic. One that ultimately may have affected his decision to take his own life. Now, with that being said, it's not just a matter of the ghosts that we may or may not be in proximity to. It could also be the places that we live. Wi-Fi hotspots, cell phone towers, all have an electromagnetic frequency. We can actually see this with meters and detectors. Now, that can also be said, though not quite as obvious, with the geopathic energies that exist directly beneath our feet. And so as I took out the map, I decided to do a little dousing, or rather the first step in what I would call dousing. Now, if we're looking at dousing, it's being able to use some of the energetics of the place to be identified with um, some kind of tool. Previously, it would be used in terms of detecting water. You could have dousing rods or sticks that some would use to try and uh, attempt to detect where water and wells were located at. 
Now, for me, I will use a map and I will use what I call a pendulum. And I'll use a pendulum to be able to detect generally where certain things are on a map. And then what I'll typically do is I'll hold it over, create an intention, and I'll create a light little swing. An affirmative response will be a clockwise movement and a negative response will be a counterclockwise movement. So as I sat there at this little cafe doing my thing, which I'm sure was interesting to behold in and of itself, holding a map of San Francisco and specifically the area directly surrounding the Hotel Majestic, I began to do a little pendulum work. And so I detected an area, two cross sections of major lines of energy which actually align running more north and south with the, uh, the, the area of Van Ness or the street Van Ness and crossing that, the street of California. And so I thought that was interesting because it created a cross right smack dab in the middle of this area. Usually these lines aren't necessarily so straight. If we're looking at geopathic energies, energetic lines, again, sort of like a nervous system of the, the earth and the planet itself, then they're not always directly straight. There'll be curves, there'll be different aspects to it. However, this these were like, I mean, it was a direct cross. So it was interesting to see because, well, either it was somewhat of an anomaly where it was actually able to be created when it was generated as two straight lines, or more likely, there had been human hands that had acted upon it. So I put that in the back of my mind and continued to do the dowsing and or rather the pendulum work. And then as I did, I found there were certain areas that seemed to be points, larger nodes perhaps. And so as I plotted this out onto the map, I found three in the general area and noticed that it actually created a shape. Now, if you look at any map of San Francisco, you'll see that it's really laid out more or less in the structure of a grid. And so as I was looking at this then, what I found was very interesting because beneath that well-organized cityscape seemed to be a triangle. Now, this triangle was interesting because it went all the way down to the wharf. It went further in towards the southern side of the city, and then it actually had its peak or the top point of the triangle that was located seemingly at Grace Cathedral. So I thought it was really interesting because then it would imply that indeed there had been human hands that had acted upon the basic energetics of this place and had constructed a grid of their own. Now, if we're looking at things around this in terms of a geopathic grid, there are a number of things that you or anyone can do with a grid type setting. If we're looking at it in terms of working with the natural energies of the place, then you can actually create something that harnesses that energy. If you look at things in terms of sacred sites around the world, you know, some would say that these areas are over power points where these ley lines, these dragon lines, cross and intersect and allow more energy to be accessed. The energy that we can access with this can be used in any number of ways to fuel a spell, to create a sanctuary of sorts. 
And so one of the things that came into mind was, well, why is this here? And who the hell created it? Lots of questions started to come up, though first and foremost, I decided that it's probably best to actually go out and to continue with the dousing and actually see if this really exists. So I had my three points and my three plotted areas that I was going to go check out. And so closing up the map after having discerned the best way to get to all three, I hit the road for some field work. Now, if you've ever done any dousing, and I'm not sure if you've had, there's a few ways to do it. Again, we want to be able to use the subconscious, the consciousness of the body, to be able to act upon a tool that gives us a more clear indication of what's happening. Now, we don't necessarily need to always have these tools. If you have a high body awareness, then you can actually feel the subtle yet ever so profound energy as it begins to shift, as our body experiences it. And so at the time, though, I had my dousing rods as well as my pendulum. And so it was really pretty funny because I was going out to these three points. And if you've ever seen anyone dousing, then the rods are in an L shape. I was holding the shorter side of the L and basically walking around with my arms pointed out. And so what ends up happening with this and how I was using it then is that when I hit a point where there was an actual energetic spike, then the two long ends of the dousing rods would cross over, creating an X in the middle. Yet I'm holding with two hands, I'm walking, and as I'm walking, there's going to be an area that I encounter and it crosses So the concept being then, if there really are these two, rather three nodes that are creating this effectively uh, isosceles triangle, then there has to be something at these three points, some kind of disturbance, some kind of spike of energy, some kind of something. Now, how this all comes into play is that if I could, I actually identify these points and if they did actually create then a structure, then that same structure could in fact be the wall that I had detected, the barrier and the container, keeping the three ghosts at the Hotel Majestic not just stuck, distorted and amplified as well. So there I was, just your everyday urban wizard, walking through the streets of San Francisco, with two dousing rods walking around in circles, which I have to say was actually pretty funny, a pretty fun experience overall. Now, just a little side note on both pendulum as well as dousing rod, as well as more contemporarily, the concept of muscle testing. Now, our bodies have really one of two responses. It's very binary. So when we actually talk about kinesthetic intuitive awareness, we can actually yield some pretty tremendous results by accessing the intelligence of the body. And as we talk about the intelligence of the body, if we're talking about these levels and layers of mind, our conscious, our subconscious, and I would say superconscious mind, there is so much more that our subconscious is aware of that acts inevitably as a filter for our conscious mind. And so when we are actually able to create an outlet for our subconscious mind to communicate with, all of a sudden we're able to find out some really interesting things. 
And this is generally speaking how muscle testing, how dowsing, and how pendulum work works. We can access that level of the subconscious mind by creating and effectively calibrating to a certain degree responses. As we cultivate these responses, then we can access this in that binary form of a yes or a no, a strong or a weak, or in this case, a true or a false. And so once we designate that with the dowsing rods, for example, with the rods crossing over each other is a positive and affirmative response, shows that something is true. With a clockwise rotation for myself, the pendulum work, for example, will then create a level of response for that truth or that affirmation. And as I go through this, I like to work personally in three levels of discernment. So first and foremost, I had done the work on the map with the pendulum itself. I wanted to then go and confirm that. I mean, even prior to that was just the presence of a barrier that existed. Then going to a second level of discernment to actually identify where that exists on the map. Then going out to do the actual field work to confirm it for myself. And using that then as both the dowsing rods and then the pendulum work. And then just the general intuitive sensation that I had as an energetic. Now, as that happens and as that transpires, then we're able to actually discern and identify what's going on via accessing the intelligence of the body. Dr. David Hawkins did a lot of work with this around muscle testing in some of his really groundbreaking work and publications, Power versus Force, Truth versus Falsity. Uh, I'll link this in the show notes as well. I hit two of those areas, one which was closer to about maybe two and a half miles southeast of the Hotel Majestic. And sure enough, the rods crossed. Walk through, confirmed by walking over again in that same area with my pendulum and large uh, clockwise circles spinning. Okay, that's one spot. Heading north, I go out to the wharf area. And sure enough... Dowsing rods cross. Confirm with the pendulum and I am set, which left one last area. Now, at this point in time, I was really not very familiar with San Francisco. So all of this really doubled as a way to get to know the city even better. So that final spot located at least per the map at and around Grace Cathedral I headed there that day to go check it out. Sure enough, that third spot also confirmed with both dowsing rods as well as with pendulum. So I look at the map and I'm sort of a place of curiosity. Well, who would be able to build something like this? I mean, energetic grids are really not all that common. They can be used to plug into very much like a battery source or a power source to fuel something that can be utilized to actually take in energy as well, especially with a structure like a triangle. When you have a triangle, it takes energy and it pulls it into a point. So who would be able to do that? Who had the know-how to be able to construct something well before the construction 
of the area itself. As I looked at my map, just sitting on the steps of Grace Cathedral, I took a moment in deep contemplation and I look up and what do I behold across the street from the cathedral itself but the Freemason Lodge? Well, that's curious. All of a sudden, I had this line of inquiry. Well, what traditions actually practiced utilizing geopathic, you know, working with geopathic energies, concepts around the energy of the earth, as well as being able to utilize it, to cultivate it, to curate it in a way that allows it to then consciously be directed. As I sat there looking at the Freemason Lodge directly across the street, I had a bit of an epiphany. What, if any, is the history of San Francisco as a city in relationship to the Freemasons? Now, at the time, I didn't really have much of a feel for the Freemasons themselves. However, I was about, though, to deep dive into a less well-known history of the city itself. Now, when I get to one of these points where I've done a large majority of the intuitive piece, and as a quantum wizard, that goes through a number of different avenues and arenas from working with intuitive card readings, to going into trance states, to then usually confirming as best as I can in physical reality using the techniques that I just discussed previously. Now, when I get through all of those areas, primarily the intuitive aspect of the intuitive investigation, I then go into more of the intellectual piece, which jumps into research. Now, as I started to get into the research, again, finding myself a nice little cafe to sit down, plop open my laptop and start to look at, well, what is the history of this area and what was the presence of Freemasons, if at all, within San Francisco? Now, San Francisco really was a very interesting place because there was much that happened before the gold rush and before the presence of of the United States in that area. Yet my focus was who could actually construct a geopathic grid. Well, being that the point of this triangle-shaped grid ended at Grace Cathedral and was directly across from the Freemason Lodge, that kind of threw up some flags. And so that was the first point I started to look at. As I began to look into that, you know, general search, well, San Francisco, Freemasons, it was interesting because the first thing that popped up was the history of the first mayor of San Francisco, whose name was John W. Geary. Now, this got to be interesting because, you know, absolutely, it could be a matter of sheer coincidence. However, uh, it was really curious. And so I started to read a little bit more about this, the first mayor of San Francisco, the time that he had come in, which was really just a year in office, though he had been in San Francisco prior to that. And anything of relevancy that would be around uh, any kind of grid building. Well, 
One thing before getting too far into that vein is to identify that part of what the Freemasons have done is they build things. While very much a society that has been seeped in mystery and all sorts of different Hollywood portrayals, it is effectively a brotherhood of sorts that has its history in most likely the building of things. Now, looking at that then, if I'm talking about grid building, perhaps that could be something. The basic common premise that links the Freemasons together is that there is a an intelligence, a grand presence that exists, and that this presence is part of the world around us and is um, generally a benevolent presence. And so this really starts to go then into an area of not just curiosity, of relevancy, because we're talking effectively about a non-physical, not just structure, but also a general knowledge base that's needed to be able to create and act upon this type of field. And so if there was a field, then there would be some kind of indication of its presence. So back to John W. Geary, a recognized military man, was present in San Francisco for a number of different reasons, took office in May of 1850 until May 4th, 1851. Now, if you know anything about San Francisco, there have been a number of natural disasters, earthquakes that have happened, and particularly a history with fire. So interestingly enough, on May 3rd, 1851, the day, rather in this case, the night, before John W. Geary stepped down as mayor, there was a fire, the fire of 1851. Interesting. So then we flash forward that I'm, you know, again, I'm starting to pick at this. I see a thread and I begin to pick at it. And so I start to get curious then about, well, what about the other fire that had happened? I know there was another one that happened in 19 sometime. And so searching on that, 1906, there was another fire, a much larger fire that affected San Francisco and went all the way up to Van Ness. Interesting, because that's about two blocks away from the Hotel Majestic. And indeed was where I had detected some sort of barrier that existed, an energetic wall that I could feel, and in this case began to theorize was part of why the three ghosts could not exit, could not transition, could not depart. Curiosity peaked. Now I wanted to find out more about this. And so as I started to look at that, the actual areas of these old maps where the fires had actually hit was really interesting because it really started largely in the area that was just directly east of Van Ness, as well as heading out more towards the wharf area. Now, in more spiritual and occult and metaphysical philosophies, fire is a purifying agent. It is something that can absolutely destroy, and at the same time, it's something that can cleanse an area. So now I started to follow that thread. Well, if this was something that was actually 
done to San Francisco, and at least in the fires of 1851, it is suggested that it was arsony, then perhaps there was a reason that it was set. Perhaps it had a purpose in terms of being able to clear, to cleanse, and to purify some kind of distorted energy that may have existed there previously. Moreover, the fire of 1851 that was set approximately at 11 p.m. on May 3rd, the day, or rather night, just before John W. Geary stepped down as mayor, seemed a little too coincidental to be a coincidence. And so as I started to look over the old maps of San Francisco, the area where the fires had been, the areas that the fires had gone unto, and all the way up to, it was really interesting because it went to a certain area, which meant that the areas that had not actually been affected and afflicted by the fires may still then be affected and afflicted by whatever the fires were intended to purge. So now I round back. If there then, which it seems like there was, on these three points, at least a part of San Francisco was gridded, and to a certain degree, everything then west of Van Ness had been left unaffected and untouched by the fires of 1908 and 1951, then those areas are still then subject to whatever metaphysical influence, energetic imprint, or whatever might still be there that hadn't been cleansed by the fires themselves. This created two new lines of inquiry. What was being cleansed, and how was this barrier effectively influencing the three ghosts at the Hotel Majestic? Now, having walked around for a good amount of time, approximately four, four and a half hours of field work, then led back into heading to the Hotel Majestic for further investigation. Now having an idea of what this was and potentially what it could be doing, I decided to spend that night digging even more deeply, to feel sense even more thoroughly in terms of the energies and potentially the factors, the influences, and the variables I was previously unaware of. Heading back into the Hotel Majestic, setting up again in the investigations, I went directly that night to room 407 to stir, to call forward, and to, as best as I could, find more information out from the dominant, aggressive, and assertive energy and entity that still affected and afflicted the hotel itself. As I sat there going now into a deep trance state, slowing my breath, yet all the while feeling the heaviness, the density, and the vastness of this metaphysical pressure, I called forth now, by name, the female entity who on Saturday January 4th, 1908, ended up taking her own life in the Hotel Majestic. As I sat there, I could feel it. The 
hairs on my arms beginning to rise, the sensation of dread, the pressure of the force that was now pushing up against my own intuitive senses. And as I did, breathing slowly and naturally to allow my body to calm down, the instincts, everything saying to get the hell out of there, to calm those inclinations and to allow my intuition really to open contact. And as I did with my digital recorder on, I asked several questions. Questions that I would hope would help to get more clarity in terms of what was happening and to be able to better find out how I could support these three individualized ghosts in being able to transition. Now, the feeling of it was intense. It is something if you've ever felt just absolute fear, like everything within your body is telling you to run. Everything within your very gut is saying to get the heck out of there. All of that, all bells, all flags, everything was pushing to get out of that room. Yet one thing, if you talk about wizardry, if you talk about magic, is really a matter of will. And my will, my intention was clear. Now more than ever, having a feel of what actually surrounded this area, that there was indeed a container that held all three of these to a certain degree prisoner. That more so now than ever, this investigation was not just warranted, it was needed. And so I asked my questions aloud. After naming her by her name three times aloud, extending my will and allowing that energy to flow freely, she responded. She was not happy about it. She came in with energy, anger, instilling fear, and to a certain degree, disbelief. Yet with will, sound, and set, I asked my questions. I felt further beyond the entity that I was present with and into the energy of the earth itself. Going further, going deeper, going farther beyond not just the boundaries of the building, not even to the ground beneath our feet, into the very history of the tainted past of the area itself, which little did I know would lead to older geopathic energies and to the history of the indigenous people who had dwelt there before. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode today and continuing to walk with me on this path. For more information, follow me on YouTube as well as accessing the show notes on the webpage as well. Both are listed in these show notes. For now, love and aloha, take care, and ahuiho. hope.